Three, two, one. There's no podcast like Sardonicast. There's no podcast like Sardonicast. There's no podcast like Sardonicast. Ooh. <laughs> I tried. Something really culty about that. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I don't know. I could I could have said there's no place like Sardonicast, but it's not really a place. <laughs> I could have said that. But I guess what, now we have a, a chant for our uh, our brainwashed <laughs> followers. Uh, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. This is Sardonicast. What's up? I'm Ralph from Utah Dark Clouds. I was the movie maker. And I'm Alex from IHG. I've got a question for you, Adam. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was pondering about this last time I sent the, my audio over um, yeah. for you to edit. I was wondering if um, you ever hear any like really gross noises from um, Ralph or I when you go through. <laughs> oh, this is a good question. <laughs> the grossest noise you've heard. I know I lip smack a lot. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I can't help it. So. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I've, I've become more efficient at getting rid of them. But yeah, it's... it's uh, so as I'm like working through the audio, removing the noise, like the background noise and like compressing it, it brings up a lot of the lower levels. And so I wind up, depending at, you know, certain points in the in the audio, you can hear like, breathing or like scratching your chin or something Mm -hmm. like that (laughs) i've never i don't know if i've heard any noise that's like particularly gross uh (laughs) mostly just like like lip smacking noises or sometimes ralph's dog will bark or sometimes there will be a siren police yeah (laughs) creaky chair or i don't know there's there's a variety of things Sometimes, sometimes it'll sound like something fell <laughs> on your mic, Ralph. <laughs> I'll be like, "What was that?" But yeah, it's it's not bad. Like I, I've never heard a, a gigantic fart. If that's what you're wondering, <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna be the first? <laughs> no, it's gotta happen one day. Yeah, I think I'm the one that <laughs> makes the gross noises. I'll like just burp <laughs> or like <"Bleh!"> yeah, <laughs> do something like that, <laughs> and sometimes edit it out. If it's funny or not. I feel like you, as like an editor, you build up just a resilience to anything sound related like that. Like mm-hmm. people have been in the room when I've edited a video before and they're like, does that not drive you crazy? Because you tend to just like repeat like the same second over and over again until yeah. you get it right. So you're just used to that repetition. So it's weird to think about from the outside perspective sometimes. Yeah, because I do stream my editing. A lot of people ask that question. Mm-hmm. It's like, how does this not drive you insane? Or how do you, how do you not hate your own voice? You just kind of... <laughs> you get yeah. over that quick. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. It's all a matter of like what is normalized or what is, uh, I guess, a part of your routine. It's weird to be like surprised yeah. or taken aback by something that's like so constant. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying uh, before we started recording that you're... Uh, <laughs> Your entire past week or two has been 13 Reasons Why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a long time <laughs> fan of the series, yeah. um, if that's the right word for it. Um, but I've been bouncing around the idea of doing a video on season three for ages now, because it, I think it's the funniest season to me. Um, I think that's my conclusion. What do they do um, this time? Oh, man. Because like, each season it's has like a big... murder mystery this season. Oh, right. um, well, the, it was kind of a murder mystery to begin with, but more like whose fault was it that Hannah Baker uh, committed suicide? That was this original story, and then the second season was like was this like really boring court case. Yeah. 
yeah but then season three is all about the <laughs> the murder of the the person who was responsible for hannah's death um, wow i mean everyone was responsible for hannah's death weren't they yeah true that's what the show is trying to imply anyway yeah yeah bryce He's like made into a real like main character. He's one of the main characters in season three, and they tried to add like a sympathetic slant to to which him. is really weird. It's so funny to me. There's literally a scene where he breaks into someone's house, and it it turns out it's the wrong house, and then he threatens a child with his life. Mm-hmm. And then like the next scene, there's like this innocent, playful banter with him and his mother, like innocently painting a room. And it's like, what the fuck, like. What's the consistency of, like, what do you want me to believe? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't forgive this guy at this point, man. Like, you've written him as such a cartoonishly evil person. Like <laughs> The entire show is just so backwards and, like, incredibly immoral yeah, if backwards. you start to break it down. <laughs> yeah, every episode starts with that, like, warning with the actors really seriously being, like, just remember if you need help go here and then the show starts and it's the most melodramatic over the top ridiculous like eastenders kind of nonsense and it's like what? you've really backed yourselves into a corner here guys this <laughs> is just you just let it die stop yeah it's it's weird because it's popular enough that they just want to keep it going but they don't know how and so now yeah. just the plot line is the most ridiculous thing in the world and I don't know. I don't know what these writers are trying to do. Honestly, I don't know what type of side that they're seasons. trying to <laughs> like. Yeah, just every, keep yeah. it going. That's all that I really matters. don't know if they even have like a <laughs> any like real slant anymore. It's just like, well, they're, they're going through the like list of dramatic political ideas at the moment. Like it's like abortion and mm-hmm. yeah, the know, hot button college. issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going through like just the list and they're quickly running out of them. Like they've done pretty much <laughs> all of them in three seasons. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. The the spring fling was gonna get shot up and then it didn't because the main character just talked it out with the school shooter and then they decided not to tell anybody about it. Even though they were paranoid and they thought that he had a gun in his bag for like <laughs> an entire episode in season three, but they still didn't tell anybody about it. They just love covering up crimes for no reason. And I, I really didn't understand why the they like every main character really vouched for that school shooter guy. They were like really like putting their necks on the line for him. And I, was like, I really didn't understand that because the shooter kid didn't have much, like any strong relationships really with any other characters, so it felt really forced for them to do that, yeah. just as a way to get around the fact they even included that shocking aspect of like what looked like it was going to be a school shooting. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I I I'm glad uh, they didn't do. I watched through all of season three and did like the whole commentary thing. I I think I found season two funnier though. I think season You're two okay. was more enjoyable. As in, mm. like, from a humor It's the court perspective. stuff for me that's, like, it's just more boring in my mind. Mm-hmm. Season three was, like, they introduced that new, like, lead character, the like, British woman who's really annoying, who comes in and it's like, why are you necessary to any of this? She's not. And it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, and she's kind of a bad person, too. Like, everyone is so unlikable. There's, like, only one or two characters that have any sense in the entire show, and any time they speak any truths or sense, they just get silenced by the rest of the group, and then they just leave. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. It's It, it makes it worse <laughs> because this is intended for a younger audience. Yeah. Absolutely. Who Do they find out, or do you find out who the killer is at the end? 
It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, do. you don't have to like explain yeah. what it is. But, like, you do find out the truth, and it doesn't make uh, any sense. Or it's it's, <laughs> it... it's ridiculous. Okay. It's, very, it's all very, very stupid. <laughs> and there's two. So there's stupid. there's so many like obvious red herrings or whatever. There's so many yeah obvious. Uh, little setups for each episode it's like okay well we're clearly not going to figure out who killed him in episode five out of 13 so this isn't it <laughs> and you're just wasting time right now they do this stupid thing where they they change the aspect ratio between past and present oh like and that's right did. yeah and like <laughs> half of the show maybe even more takes place in in the past but you'd expect the present to be vivid and colorful in the past to be like undersaturated and like bleak color wise but they reversed it and it's really confusing <laughs> it's like the opposite of oh, what really logic confusing. would dictate for presenting mm -hmm. those kinds of scenes it's clearly like just rushed out just for a new season they got to get one out well, every couple years or so, every year. Yeah, I wonder if the yeah. uh, color correction and aspect ratio change was like a last minute decision when people realized that nobody would have any idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Did they not do that in the other seasons? I don't think so, so no. It was new me. for season three. All right. Just the plot line got so <laughs> convoluted that they it needed like to do it. It is like getting to saw levels where oh, yeah. they're just making stuff up to such insane degrees and filling in... Like they're telling the story through like flashbacks, which is like so annoying after a while. Because like clearly there's no through line or plan to any of this. You're just making it up as you go along. So it's just nothing's earned as a Let's result. Let's see how long they keep it going for. I'm yeah, exactly. It's only gonna get more and more convoluted, like the Five, Saw movies. Six seasons. Yeah. Yeah, it will only get funnier. Yeah, I'm hoping. Like I don't know. It, it Saw is really special in the sense that. It always stays true to the original plotline. It's constantly retconning itself and rewriting what actually happened to <laughs> the other movies. Yeah. Uh, whereas 13 Reasons Why, it seems like they just abandoned what the show is about and they're just doing whatever the fuck they want. And it's still like really confusing yeah. and stupid. But like it might as well be a completely different story with different characters at this point. Like this whole Bryce plotline doesn't have anything to do with That's what I thought really they were going to do, Hannah. honestly, after season one was like have some kind of story where Hannah Baker's suicide was so like publicized and so famous that it like inspired other people or something well to start doing it it was about one of them even though that happened in reality she's <laughs> off filming real movies now she's doing like knives out and and a deleted yeah. scene from Avengers Endgame so she's in real movies really so she yeah she, she there's a deleted Avengers scene Endgame? she was like uh Iron Man's daughter but like older Oh, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> she loved him 3,000. It's an interesting bit of lore. Yeah. Hannah Baker is Iron Man's daughter. Yeah. So, so this opens some doors, man. <laughs> <laughs> Explains so much. Uh, did you guys see Clay the Jensen trailer for uh, the new Saw movie? Or Yeah, I was going to mention that because we were talking about Saw. From the Book of Spiral Saw. Yeah, from the no, Book I did of watch Saw. It. <laughs> so the Book of Saw is like, I, I guess they call it the Saw Bible, too. It was like what they made up that they write the entire Saw story in this book and then they made movies out of it. But really, they just made it up as they went along. And apparently, <laughs> this is like based on that. It's based on something in there. I don't, Th I don't there's an actual it. book and it's not just a part of a title? What are you saying? No, they said it was the Saw, the Saw Bible. 
What? Never heard of the Salt Bible? <laughs> I've never yeah, heard just of this in, in like a featurette, they were saying that. Are, are you sure that's not like a? Well, I think like it might have been a fan speculated thing. But whenever these movies came out, they were like, "Oh yeah, the whole Saw story is written out in the Saw Bible, and we're gonna uncover it over the course of these seven movies." But really, it was a <laughs> bunch of crap. They just made it up as they went along. I I press X to doubt. Okay. I'm not I don't sure. Think they were, I don't think there was a real Saw Bible. Yeah. <laughs> They definitely did not have things planned from the first movie. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Actually, all these other characters were helping Jigsaw the entire time before the movie even happened. If you just panned the camera over to the left, you'd, you'd see Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or Hoffman or any of these other billion characters that were all just there from the beginning that you never saw. <laughs> yeah. There were three. Yeah. That so good. Them out. No that's sense. what that's why i love saw it's just because it keeps rewriting itself and becoming more and more ridiculous and nobody understands what the fuck is going on in those movies i i consider myself to be a bit of a, a saw connoisseur here a saw expert because i actually understand what's going on <laughs> but it is so complicated and i just love the idea of of like you know the, the people people that showed up watching the saw movies every halloween it was like oh it's Halloween. Let's go watch a horror movie. Oh, Saw 4 is playing or something like that. People just show up to these movies. They might not be familiar with the first movies. They might have watched them and not really understood everything that was going on. And then all of a sudden you have like the twist at the end. The music plays. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Shows a guy from like Saw 3 Same out thing. of nowhere. And people in the audience are like, who the hell is that guy? And <laughs> things are like <laughs> supposed to be kind of like revealing this twist. But nobody can really follow what's going on that's why i love those movies so much and i'm upset because it, so it seems as though they're not going to continue with that it seems like they're done with that it really does yeah, i don't know if tobin bell is going to be in this new one. Oh, really? chris rock is in it and samuel l jackson is in it yeah exactly so. yeah it seems more like a kind of big budget more serious is the wrong word but they've attracted talent you know like there was a long string of saw movies that they didn't have no Samuel L. Jackson or Chris Rock or, you know, any of these yeah. big name actors in it. Danny so. Glover. <laughs> yeah. It's concerning because it is clearly just following that trend, like, you know, Fast and Furious doing their spin-offs like Hobbs and Shaw and just from the book of Saw, you know, from the, like, a Star Wars story, that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. um, and the poster looks like it's a soft Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very strange stuff but you do have to take it in a new direction at this point because that saw well, yeah. series has a bad reputation but why not like, just no reboot one takes it, it with, seriously i mean like it's concerning without tobin bell if he's not in it because he's kind of like yeah yeah exactly he is the series it's, right it's like, a, if he's not in it that's lame nightmare on i mean Elm he Street is like the freddy, freddy krueger exactly yeah, yeah or the or the jason Voorhees or michael myers he's not really what it's not like him twist? going around stabbing people but he's such a big part of it yeah he's on every poster the like the movie the first... is more about the villain than it is about the main characters. The main characters yeah. cycle every single film. <laughs> like nobody gives a shit about them. They just die. And he's a good actor too. Yeah, he's like, like easily the best actor in any of those movies. It made <laughs> his, his career. Life is like the worst. And he works really well yeah. for the role. Tobin Bell just is <laughs> Jigsaw. That's <laughs> that's who he is now. You know. He's very good. I'm expecting them to pull some bullshit like Samuel L. Jackson is the new Jigsaw. <laughs> Like, uh, oh, that might be why they got him. That actually yeah, makes maybe. a lot of sense. He can get a Must big actor, can there. sign him for multiple movies. Mm. Yep. 
I don't know how I feel about that. I like that, that idea. Mm. Unless Chris Rock is <laughs> Jigsaw, but I don't think they're going to do that. Marty is Jigsaw. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How many dramatic roles has Chris Rock done? Three. Other than Madagascar. Okay, none. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really think. The only thing that pops into my mind is that Kanye song he randomly is in at the end. Oh. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with movies. But... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to take him seriously. Because even in the trailer, I'm I'm not like sensing too much of a great dramatic performance from him. Like, I'll see how it is for sure. I'm going to watch it. Also, it's not coming out Halloween this time. Yeah, I was going to say. Weird. May, isn't it? It's coming out. Weird really? time. Really weird oh my time. God. It sets kind of a different tone entirely for the movie. It's like, do you want? Do, do they want us to take it seriously now? <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> Is this know. Like a drama. Yeah, maybe it's, it's gonna be like more of like movie? a thriller mystery, and there won't even be any gore or something. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. That is possible. I mean, that kind of torture possible. porn thing is not popular anymore, so they might not want to go that way. But at the same time, it's not like Saw lost money on any of their movies. Like they were exactly, so inexpensive so cheap to, to make. make. They yeah, can exactly. do whatever they want. They just decided to stop after Saw 7 because Paranormal Activity was more successful. I wish yeah, they would have kept going. Back. Yeah. yeah, they came out back for like one really crappy movie that I hate. There's a Saw subreddit that is much <laughs> more active right now Jigsaw. after the Spiral trailer. And th there's questions that people ask about the timeline because it's so confusing and convoluted <laughs> that people need help. And and every single time I read in one of those threads, there's always, you know, like heavily upvoted posts and comments of people being like, yes, this is the timeline. And I hate that we have to consider the Jigsaw movie canon because <laughs> so, it makes it so much more stupid. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. The rest of the plot, however, one through seven, mwah. They all made all over $100 million, which is pretty good. Damn. And they were yeah. so Except inexpensive Saw 6. to make. Mm -hmm. Saw 6 is like maybe the best one other than the original. Saw 6 made the least money. I know. Which one's yeah. Saw 6? What's the, what's like the gimmick? Uh, that kills. was the one with the... the was it a, like a... Oh my God, I forgot the name of it. It's like a wheel with a shotgun. Yeah, there's <laughs> a, a merry-go-round with Merry a shotgun Merry-go-round, that's it. Oh, yeah, that was the, <laughs> And that the was overarching fun. plot, it's, it's like a weirdly political movie for Saw, where they, oh, so they, health insurance. Insurance. Yeah, they dabble yeah. in the health insurance thing. <laughs> and then the first trap that we see is like, basically, Jigsaw has made this whole thing for this CEO guy of a health insurance company and he's like you deny people their claims based on pre-existing <laughs> conditions and and the first thing he does is he sets them up against the janitor in a fight to the death over who can who can hold <laughs> their breath right. the longest and the janitor is <laughs> this fat smoking. guy that's been smoking for his entire life meanwhile the it's ceo so is just like some healthy guy it's like ah, uh, yeah mm. yeah Jigsaw's code. Make your like, choice. Really. <laughs> Make your choice, liver die. That's not really a choice. I guess Hoffman set up that trap. It's very. You can't even like attribute it to <laughs> Tobin Bell. The, the plot's all over the place, man. But I've got yeah. it figured out. It's very. It's very complex. <laughs> it's very intelligent. Oh yeah, and it has the best. The best scene of acting where like the two. 
the two blonde women in the film that oh, is that don't movie? feel like okay. actors have this conversation yeah. with each other. <laughs> yeah. And it's like they're it acting off nothing. It was Jigsaw's wife, and it was like a journalist, I think, the other woman. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they just talk in her apartment. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. It, I love that series so much. I just want them to awesome continue series. in the same direction they were going. I don't want them to change. Continue that story? Yes! Yeah. Yes! I would I would like that, too. I mean, I even appreciated how Jigsaw kind of continued it and made an excuse for Tobin Bell to be alive, like, in the movie, even though it made no sense. It was... I hated, like, I hated the, that the twist so much. Yeah, it makes no sense, <laughs> it but it was just like an excuse stupid. to have Tobin well, Bell in the movie. <laughs> I, it, it, it not only made no sense, The alternative is like what like... you said. You could have a clone or his twin brother, but that would be... I think that'd be too far. I think what I like about Saw is it's just plausible enough to be, like, stupid, but you're like, okay, I can understand why they took it that Twin way. Twin brother would and make enough a... sense. You wouldn't have to go <laughs> into the realm too, of, of it's supernatural. Too far. No, it would be so perfect, because then you would have an excuse <laughs> for Tobin Bell to be alive again. The biggest mistake they yeah. ever made, or possibly the greatest thing they ever did, was them deciding to kill everyone. off Tobin Bell's character in Saw 3, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they had no idea that they would keep going. They were like, ah, it's a trilogy, he's dead. And then every single movie after that point was either like trying to justify how the entire movie happened and was planned from when <laughs> Tobin Bell was still alive and he's still pulling the strings, or the Hoffman character now stepping in and doing a bunch of these things for him and that's why i hated With the twist in jigsaw so much is because is not just because it's stupid but because they already did that twist at the end of saw 4 that was the twist then was like actually this took place before he died in saw 3 and then at the end of jigsaw it was like actually this took place before saw 1 and this was the first big trap actually even though the televisions that were used in this trap were clearly more modern than any of the ones that he used in the first one. They were like flat screen HD TVs and shit. Like, fuck off. That made me so mad. And I, I was mad at them for not taking the opportunity to have Tobin Bell alive again. I was hoping that Jigsaw would be this jumping off point to be like, now it can continue again, flourish. You know, he's back, but he's not back. I, I want it to be stupid and just just give me what I want. That's all, you know. Maybe maybe we should start a Twitter mob. You know, they fixed the Sonic movie. So we can yeah. do anything. We have the power. Well, let's see what happens in Spiral. For Saw, you want to do it? Yeah, start a, start a petition. <laughs> when is enough enough? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see what it is. I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm kind of more curious now than I was for, like, that Jigsaw movie. Because it's just weird. Like, it's strange. <laughs> this existence is weird. The fact that, like, Chris yeah, Rock is on It's going to be a comedy? The... <laughs> yes, it's, like, really weird what is going on with that movie. So, we'll see. I'm just disappointed it will be something so wildly different from its roots, and that's, you know, they, they said spiral from the Book of Saw. That's almost an implication right there. So. Yeah. We'll see. It might not we'll even be a gore movie. they have hidden. Mm-hmm. Did you uh did you want to talk about waves? Uh yeah, yeah we could do. Um I, I only saw it today yeah, three you or just four saw hours it. ago. Um on so like Blu-ray kind of or fresh on my Amazon. mind. Uh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um Spoiler discussion. I really enjoyed the movie. Um it's it's quite overwhelming, like emotionally. 
<laughs> yeah, so because I don't really uh, watch trailers or engage in any pre-release material, I had no idea what I was really in for. I'd seen um, this previous movie, It Comes at Night, is that what it's mm -hmm. called? Which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but this is very different tonally, um, although there are some choices that really worked in It Comes at Night that kind of carry over like the aspect ratio kind of mm. change thing. which playing is, with those. <laughs> yeah, which is really effective, I thought, how it was implemented in the movie. But um, the the movie kind of shifts halfway through. It, it, it's, it's connected to the first half, but more kind of tangentially, you know, mm -hmm. with this idea, I guess, of the title, the waves of how... Almost similarly, similarly to last episode's movie, the Mayowitz story. story, story <laughs> Mayo, <laughs> Mayowitz. Uh, the Mayo where stories. you know it's about how people are like forged through, you know, parenting and the way it it, it affects like the family dynamics of everything. And the, the first half being about um, what's the actor's name? Because he's kind of the the lead for the first half. Yeah, he uh, was the he was in It Comes at Night too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, son, that's right. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really and he was such a good actor that the director wanted to make a whole movie just with him. <laughs> There's so, loads of cool. really great showcases of just acting. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very actory movie. Lots of really intense scenes of the entire kind of emotional spectrum. Because that first half, I, I do think, is is more entertaining and more kind of. Uh, electric than the second yeah. half which is more kind of slow and contemplative and emotional and more kind of hopeful to be honest because the first half is is like a spiral downwards and the second half is almost more of like a spiral upwards yeah it's like incredibly stressful for the first half <laughs> yeah but it's really effective with yeah. all the like intense like music and the pace of it and the like uh, camera work and everything like that it's very very moody and very it's very A24, you can say that much about it. But I, I was actually very pleased that, because I, I, I've been saying about how as much as I enjoy Ari Aster, I, I do hope he isn't just like that horror guy forever. And it's nice to see one of these A24 kind of directors come out and prove there's some, there's like a wide range of ability there, which is like, I think, a real skill. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's just a drama. There's no no horror yeah, aspects, no action. An ambitious one, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a real shame that it kind of got buried by A24. It didn't really get much of a theatrical release. It wasn't really that heavily promoted. They didn't do a big Oscars campaign yeah. for it. Nobody, like, I would have loved to have seen some acting nominations. The cinematography was, like, amazing. I really loved yeah. how it was shot. Great editing. The, the yeah, very good editing. sort of, like, spinning kind of merry-go-round-esque <laughs> shot in the vehicles just like yeah those are very really gets my mind thinking about like how those scenes were shot like i guess there must have been some sort of like pivoting attachment on the top of the roof of the vehicle or like the interior and just like a really tiny camera with like a wide lens or something just like spinning around and like either controlled by like a remote or something i don't know like th there were a lot of shots yeah. in that that i was like damn that looks really cool and it really got me thinking about them there was also like little details like um just the way uh i thought the way phones were used in the movie was really realistic mm -hmm. um the, the way people were texting and there were mistakes yeah. in the text and they were like sending extra texts with you know um fixes and stuff and 
it, it was quite like an important part of the movie, like lots of communication through phones. And I feel like we're getting quite good at displaying that now because mm -hmm. there, there was a time where these early like... I'm reminded of like that corny. Miley Cyrus movie. It's called like, <laughs> LOL. Lol. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Like that's yeah, what, shit like that's that. what like, like hashtag horror. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the text comes up on like in front of the you know, yeah exactly where the actor's performing. Yeah. It's dated now. But yeah. it yeah it felt very genuine. Uh huh. One of the best scenes is when he the they break up basically over the texting. Yeah. And there's like music playing and he's like over texting and. It, it, you could tell he's panicking just by the way he's writing. It's really good. Mm -hmm. It's really well thought out. Yeah, I do remember that. It's a very soundtrack heavy movie. I would say in the first yeah, half, but it all yeah. fits because I think of like Suicide Squad, where none of it fits at all, and they use like five seconds of fucking Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever. And this was like perfect. Every song choice was like when they were playing. Uh, first of all, we have very similar tastes in music. I think mm -hmm. <laughs> me and the director, because yeah. I love like most of the songs he picked. Okay, great. And, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Kanye West song they play. That was probably the best part. Yeah, the, it was like yeah, yeah, it was perfect. From Jesus or whatever. Uh huh. I don't normally like that album, even, but uh, the way they used that song was like, yeah, that's that's perfect for the as like a reflection of the, this character right now. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because that that album is about someone kind of like snapping, and that's exactly what the song sounds like, and it made sense in the movie the way it was implemented, along mm -hmm. with like loads of the songs. So yeah, I was, I was reading like some reviews, and some people were complaining about the the music and it feeling kind of muddled and stuff. But I feel like. Especially because it, it's way more present in the first half. There's way more kind of frequent, frantic music use. And then in the second half, it does calm it down. Yeah, but there's still lots of music. Yeah, yeah, there's still lots, but I feel like that kind of shows that it is like an intentional thing and not just through, you know, Suicide Squad level of, uh, you know, composing something together. And usually it was in the scene too. Like actors would be listening to it yeah, over like the radio that. or on their phone, something like that. Yeah, it it, it, it all sense. definitely fit. The soundtrack was definitely curated by Trey Edward Schultz. He obviously, you know, the he he put those songs in the movie because he wanted them in the movie. It wasn't like an editing choice. Just yeah, later on, his movies feel very personal, which is why I say that. Mm -hmm. Like his movie Krisha, apparently he just edited the movie himself. I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> which yeah. is it was super low and budget. that's kind of how that's how this is. He edited himself. One other person edited it as well. But it feels like a guy just, it's entirely his vision. It's like oh, yeah. written by him, directed by him, edited by him. And it's like really impressive to see something with this much personality. And yeah. It's why it works. It's why it feels so unique. Even though it can be like a little melodramatic if handled differently. I was going to say, uh, although all of the soundtrack choices definitely fit, it did feel a little soundtrack heavy at points as in i kind of wanted a bit of breathing room instead of just going like from song to song i felt like at points it did feel like a bit more of a music video than like a film telling a story sort of thing it might not affect me as much on my second watch i bought the blu-ray so we'll see um but that's oh, nice. what i felt the the first time anyway what was your takeaway then of what the overall movie was kind of about to you then it was about you know redemption which was kind of made more clear through the, uh, you know, church sermon scenes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was. I kind of liked how I kept shifting in my mind who I was kind of subconsciously blaming for everything. I, I kept looking for someone like, oh, this is all their fault, isn't it? Why are they being so ridiculous? And 
like by the end you really understand the situation to such a degree where it's like man this, this it really isn't a black and white situation at all and it's like you kind of have to really think about this and be objective you know and not mm-hmm. just jump to a conclusion based on it, it it touches into that social media angle where of course in the first half it ends with the main character being jailed and you kind of see all the comments and everything and it's like people breaking down so like a complex kind of exchange mm-hmm. of things into such a small little you know conclusion that you know they really have no idea what went down and like yeah you know, it's the word I'm looking for, like reducing complex things into yeah, and like reductionism and all that is oversimplifying. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was like an, a, an important takeaway for me. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's complicated. All these people are complicated people, and the you know the characters and the actors and everything. You kind of you see where a lot of their thought processes come from. Like the I really liked the dynamic of the family with the the mother, like not technically not being the real mother, but being sort of like a standing for most of their lives so she technically is their real mother but biologically she isn't and they mm-hmm. had some drama there so it's like a lot of drama that is explored through the dynamics in like a really relatable way like lots of really uh recognizable kind of character traits and uh, people i thought uh, mm-hmm. represented in the movie really the well characters were very yeah. genuine mm-hmm. yeah yeah the main character complex. is tyler anyway at least the main character for the first half and there was a lot of pressure put on him by his dad, particularly. I guess a lot of people, but his dad mainly. Mm-hmm. And how that kind of destroyed him and made him do the things, or I guess made him, uh, I guess, build up to that point <laughs> where he exploded. But yeah, then, I felt so bad for him at first. Yeah, you know? I, I did. I felt bad, I guess, for the dad later on. Because at first I thought the dad would just be kind of a one-dimensional asshole. Like, oh, yeah. He, he put his son in this position but he feels bad about it and like he's like what did i do i i put all this pressure on my son and it made him miserable and it made him mm-hmm. anxious and that carried on over into his relationships and other things too because he has that speech to his son doesn't he where he's like he tries to explain like from his perspective he's doing it for him like in yeah. his mind he's like he thinks like the just world is him. such a tough place yeah like you need to yeah. be strong for it but it put too much on him mm-hmm. to where he was like medicating himself and you know it's just these ridiculous expectations were put on him and yeah. he couldn't take it yeah that doctor scene was pretty brutal Mm -hmm. oh the scene where he gets his arm crushed during the the match that was pretty brutal yeah every every bit of like (laughs) exercise or anything to do with that arm after that doctor scene was like making me wince yeah Uh it was very stressful (laughs) yeah because you because you know what's going to happen like after that scene it's like shit i know exactly where this is going and it's like watching the the car crash in slow motion type thing you can't look away it's like watching a bunch of jenga blocks being stacked on top of each other and you're like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's getting there it's gonna fall <laughs> stop it so what what did you think of lucas hedges yeah that's oh, yeah. I noted that down <laughs> he was fine he didn't he didn't like ruin i thought the movie it was his best acting he's ever done yeah okay yeah i had no issues with him man. when he when fine, he fits but... the role it's fine I don't know. People expect me to just hate every single thing he does. <laughs> and the know. first half, he's not in it at all. So I was like, yeah. oh, is that it? Is he going to be in like two shots yeah. in the background? But then he becomes a major character in the, mm-hmm. the second half of it. Yeah, I don't I don't hate the guy. I just... Uh, <laughs> sometimes sometimes he's placed in, in roles that are uh, a little too complex for him. Sometimes it doesn't feel Did genuine. Did you see mid-90s? 
I saw that recently too. Yeah, yeah I think he that. was decent in that, from what I remember. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Did you notice how? Um, I might be wrong. This is just from memory, but I'm pretty sure that uh, with the aspect ratio changes in the film, it follows a very um, symmetrical kind of pattern where yeah. it starts with one. It's like aspect ratio A, then B, then C, then B, then A again. That's mm-hmm. at least what I remember, which is kind of interesting because that you could consider that to be like a wave of its own. So that kind of like True, fits yeah. with the title. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to think about with the movie. There's got a hell of a lot of like dramatic elements in it and all sorts of different like political subjects. Yeah, really great. I, I just yeah, love the way it on. feels and looks. It's it's not just like a very competent and professionally presented movie. It's it's something that's also very passionate and unique. And yeah, I that's love what makes the it so great. flowing camera movements that are kind of like Terrence Malicky at points. Somebody mentioned I guess I didn't fact check this, but somebody said that he like worked on some Terrence Malick films before doing his own stuff oh okay which would make sense yeah yeah it's like a very compassionate movie Mm -hmm. as you're saying that's what i kept thinking is it it is in touch with like the human side all right anything anything else to say about it or should we move on to the (laughs) no it's uh... just excellent don't watch it if you don't like lots of people crying (laughs) that's my recommendation but watch it though it's very good yeah Mm -hmm. definitely watch it eight out of ten from me we'll see if that changes yeah, mm-hmm. mine's the same at the moment for... I'd say 10 out of 10. 10. Nice. So, there yeah. you go. Very nice. <laughs> I know I didn't say a lot, but yeah, it's 10 out of 10. All right. There was a uh, film that was recommended at the end of last episode that we all watched from yeah. Alex. <laughs> so I recommended the 1939 classic, considered one of the greatest films in cinema history, the Wizard of Oz, directed by... What's his face? I've lost it now. <laughs> uh, well, directed by not just one, but like five people, but mostly by um, uh, Victor Fleming. Fleming. <laughs> um, man, it's got to be one of the most uh, like ubiquitous stories in pop culture. I feel like even if you haven't seen the film, you've kind of seen the film. I think even... The David Lynch movie we did a long time ago. Didn't that yeah, reference Wild the Wizard of Oz a fair amount? Yeah, a Wild lot. It is David Lynch's favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there that you go. one. Mm-hmm. And I get why. Yeah, Yeah. this this must be... Is this the oldest film we've talked about? I don't think we've gone before 1939, have we? Yeah, not so. in a full discussion. Yeah, so of course... Like the, what you imagine in your head when you sit down to watch like one of these kind of films that, you know so ridiculously famous that like they exist in a different plane really than like your average film there's like that there's that doubt in your mind that like oh this is just gonna be old and lame and boring (laughs) but like immediately like it it's it's like really great like the movie is really impressive in a, a lot of not only technical ways but just it's like basic formula um it's just really solid for a story it's very kind of simple and, and, and childish, but that's the point. It's an adaptation of, you know, a book aimed at kids, so. Mm-hmm. It does have a, a timeless quality to it, which I, I bet a lot of people yeah. say. Even, even but... like uh, the things that 
are harder to defend that have aged. They they do have a certain charm to them purely yeah. because of how and old they're very they are. memorable. Yeah. Is the book aimed at kids? Yeah. I'm not that familiar with the original um, source material. I, I want to say it is. Uh, yeah, children's fantasy novel. Okay, that's what it's referred to by L. Frank Baum. Because I I heard that the um kind kind of like uh, symbolic elements were much more present in the original novel, which I kind of found interesting, like the uh, you know the representations of Tin Man, Scarecrow, and Lion being like American industrialism and American farmers and politicians, sort of thing. Yeah, I was I was definitely thinking about that a lot during the movie, but I was. I was writing that line of like, how much am I reading into this? You know, like I wasn't sure like <laughs> where to draw the line because I I don't know that much history uh, from around when this book was written, so I wasn't mm -hmm. sure if I was projecting stuff onto it. But I definitely was seeing that some of the the dialogue makes it fairly overt. I thought with like a lot of lines about like straw men or something. I thought it was like a, a double mm -hmm. meaning thing. There's there definitely like little stuff in there that was like that that's clearly got like two meanings right there one for children and one for adults but i'm not entirely sure what the full picture is mm -hmm. um, without because yeah. like full books have been written on on like the meanings of it because it's a you know it's a classic piece of like literature in our culture so there's all sorts of kind of you'd sync up pink floyd's album with it i forgot about that apparently i don't know <laughs> I'd have to watch it. Something I feel like, like that. that's one of those yeah, things where it's it. like... Yeah, I think I've tried it before. I'm like, eh, not really. Yeah. It doesn't really there's work. A, there's a bunch of movies that people say Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon lines up with. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, think that's easily I don't famous know. One. It's yeah. like, it reminds me of that um, Room 237 thing where the one guy's like, <laughs> I played the movie the forwards class. and backwards at the same time and I overlaid the clips on top of each other and there are certain moments <laughs> in the film where things line up perfectly. It's like, yeah, because Kubrick shoots a lot of his films very symmetrically, okay? You're going to have certain things in the middle of the frame at the same time because a lot of things are in the middle of the frame. Jesus, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's a lot to appreciate about it on like a less literal level, but... On just a surface level, you have all these great like costumes and musical numbers and sets, and it's really entertaining, so kids can enjoy it too. It's like a movie made for everybody, basically, mm -hmm. which is why it's held up as long as it has. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's like the Avengers, isn't it? It's like 1939's <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. It's yeah. like an assembly of these like classic characters, and they've all got their quirks and little story behind them, um, <laughs> with it all obviously being kind of like personifications of uh, how the character you know, like kind of feels in her head with the things she might feel like she's lacking because the whole movie is like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's revealed at the end, which is normally a thing that's like, you do not do that. But apparently around the time, producers kind of forced that dream angle in because oh. they didn't think audiences were ready for the the fantasy angle. Because of course, around then, we you know, you didn't have your Lord of the Rings and all these like huge epic fantasy type things. It was more goofy in people's minds. Interesting. So they apparently added that section in, and like, there's a load of, of like really interesting behind the scenes information about this movie. Like, if you look at the the listing on IMDb, there are so many directors listed, which is usually like a pretty negative sign when that happens. You know, like when we hear about it nowadays like what like solo or justice league like passing on directors and whatnot but here they somehow managed to make it work um they had like a creative consistency and honestly in watching the movie i didn't really notice any like great disparity between like scenes one wasn't really different to mm -hmm. other directors like 
oh, at least obviously. Yeah, the, and like, there's all these like crazy stories about the all the Munchkin actors oh, apparently yeah. being quite creepy and like uh-huh. groping Judy Garland and what? stuff like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Love there's that. a lot of like crazy stuff that you can read about the movie, like mm-hmm. the books you can read and documentaries. They put all the Munchkins all like in one hotel right outside the studio, the Culver <laughs> City studio. Yeah, I got a drink there actually. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely. Uh... A huge list of of things that were done in the film that would just not fly today in terms of production because actors have rights now. (laughs) Yeah, well, the snow, the fake snow was asbestos. Yeah. I'm not sure how aware they were that asbestos was cancer. No, they had no idea. Yeah. This is what it says. This is a quote. Everyone who came into contact with it would have inhaled similar quantities to those working in a functioning asbestos mine. Ugh. So oh they inhaled God. a lot of asbestos. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> Which is fucked up. Yeah, Holy, that's bad, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wicked Witch of the West fucking got engulfed in flames <laughs> with the trap door in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, I was oops, sorry. I was impressed with like the amount of little people. Like the Munchkins is it's my favorite part of the movie. There There's are 124 so little people in it. They yeah, did. It's I don't know. Really, that's just some of them were part. children, though, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's just so. Yeah, some of them were children, but there were 124 little people. <laughs> I don't know. I just like seeing so, like because you don't see that usually. It's such a bizarre true like, image, strange. and they're all like dressed up in like these outfits, and <laughs> they're just Oompa it like It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think you could do that now, and even the new Wizard of no. Oz movie, they don't have that level of munchkins in it. And that Charlie and the, Ch- the Chocolate Factory movie they made recently, it was just one guy Ma- they cloned, like, a bunch of times. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I guess I you didn't know, watch CGI, it. using visual effects, not in real life. That's weird. <laughs> Make a clone machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys watch it in 4K? Yes. Yeah, yeah I got the Blu-ray. I thought it looked very good, but it was interesting how, how uh, crisp and clean like it is because obviously uh, when I would have seen it as a child it would have been a way kind of older like uh, VHS era kind of look so you didn't see the detail on the uh, the costumes quite as well it, it, mm-hmm. it, it makes it more impressive and less at times it does make it look more you know silly at points because like you can see the, the seams a little bit but there is just an inherent charm to all of it in my mind anyway because mm-hmm. it is like so with the way the film is kind of presented with these like elaborate sets and this like rear screen projection stuff and all these like uh, paintings and all that mm-hmm. there is like a kind of playish sort of feel to the movie where it feels like you're kind of watching like a stage show almost which i think adds to that timeless nature because it it is really charming the way it looks and the way everything's structured and it's funny how like whenever they run towards the horizon they have to like fade it out before they reach the, <laughs> yeah. the back of the set like, see, noticing that's quite funny but yeah, it's, it does have a deep are really charm. inspired they are the model of the house and like the tornado all that was a lot of fun we mm. haven't even talked about the film is in color and not that it's the first movie to be made in color but uh, it's, it's usage, a very yeah. famous example of like the the use of the technicolor process in mm-hmm. free strip. So. Yeah, vivid looking mm-hmm. movie. It looks really good. Yeah, it captures that kind of dream idea quite well. Because there uh-huh. is that contrast, isn't there, when they go back 
Uh, unlike 13 Reasons Why, it's a bit more obvious <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the colors are just really good and rich, and mm. the costumes look great. Like, even the ruby slippers and, like, the paint on the Green Witch or the Wicked Witch. Um, like, it was... It, it looked great. Yeah. I really enjoyed the transition from, like, black and white sepia or sepia or whatever to, to uh, color. Sepia tone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the, like, spinning, like, house miniature thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the twister and all that. Yeah. It was a very, uh, a very kind of playful tone for a uh, tornado scene. <laughs> when, it, <laughs> yeah. when it got to that point, <laughs> just, like, these people in the window waving, like, oh, hey. Hey, Dorothy. That's also, I, I kind of enjoy that, too. like, the reveal that it's a dream at the end. It's not, like, out of nowhere. It's not, like, unexpected, gigantic twist sort of thing. You know, if you're watching the movie and paying attention, it's like, yeah, she got hit on the head. She's in bed. It's basically going into a dream. The characters that you see are characters that we saw earlier, like, Hunk and... and hickory these weird named characters <laughs> playing yeah playing these other guys so yeah it didn't come out of nowhere it didn't feel like completely witch. unjustified yeah. oh yeah of course and i love the shot of her, her on her bicycle her introduction was funny yeah because it's like <laughs> that made me laugh. this visual parallel to her on the broomstick and i like that she has her own theme song like mm-hmm. i like that we haven't even talked about the music it's like one of the best things about the movie in my mind. Like yeah. the musical numbers. It's a musical, obviously. What's like your favorite musical number in the movie? <laughs> the fucking Munchkins. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You're like obsessed that with the whole Munchkins. Part, <laughs> that whole part is like incredible. I think I that's the most that memorable the, uh, part. There's something quite unsettling about the like the the first munchkin like <laughs> scene to me yeah <laughs> it's like so overwhelming like it's, it's, it's something quite creepy because like they're wearing masks and stuff and these really strange costumes and it's just like a weird set it's very <laughs> it is very like kind of creepy <laughs> you like, feel like you're in a new out. world the spectacle is yeah. insane yeah like what uh, other I movie didn't... you see over a hundred little people like dance around like that <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> I, i'm glad they didn't really linger on that though um it could no, have, it's not like, about them yeah, exactly. Like it moves on really quickly to you know start establishing the scarecrow, the Iron Man, and the the, the lion. Um, Iron the Man lion being my favorite. <laughs> Iron Man and Alex the Lion. It is the yeah. Avengers. <laughs> but yeah, they they are really what carry the movie and keep it entertaining in my mind. Is yeah. like the, these really fun physical performances from yeah. these kind of characters especially the tin man to me with the it is so silly and like childlike but really charming mm-hmm. um, the how, scarecrow like, would the move around like he had no bones he would like oh, yeah. you know flop around it was yeah, very subtle but it was good yeah. yeah when they have to oil the tin man that that was really kind of disturbing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's like can't talk yeah there's some creepy ideas oh yeah mm-hmm. when you and, and especially in 4k when you look at the uh, yeah. the the mask kind of like costume that the scarecrow has, and just realize what's going on, unlike the face and the neck, like I never really put that together in my brain. Just look at a picture right yeah, now same. and just like realize what is happening in this costume or or like what's being implied here, and it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird, creepy <laughs> in a way. It's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah, the mask's really creepy. <laughs> 
Yeah, getting back to the uh, musical numbers, I think my favorite would have to be uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I really love that song. Yes, the obvious pick. Really great. Yeah, it's very good. I forgot how long that first section goes on for before they get to Oz. Because in my memory, it was like, oh, they get to Oz really quick. But there's a they introduce all those characters in her like real life, and then she has that song, and it was entertaining even still yeah. with all that. It didn't really drag on or anything. No, not at all. It was it was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of great songs in this movie. I don't think every song was great, and uh, gotta gotta admit that uh, after a while, it does get a little bit exhausting. Them singing everywhere they're going. It does kind of get like a little bit much for me <laughs> closer to the yeah, end of the movie, like in the second half. I'm like, I stop singing. <laughs> but, you know, there are some really great songs in the movie and they're classics for a reason. So many, so many classic quotes in the film as well. It's just like, oh, yeah. Like if you if you were watching this for the first time, you'd hear a lot of things that you'd already heard before just from pop culture. Mm hmm. Uh, we've all seen this movie before, though, right? Yeah. 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 It was weird how it actually came flooding back to me watching it. I was like, oh, I remember every scene of this movie. And I thought I'd just, like, maybe only seen parts of it as a kid or something, but I'd definitely seen it multiple times. Yeah. Because it was all there in my memory. It was something that was on TV a lot. Like, is it, yeah, know, just commercial breaks in between or whatever. I definitely saw the movie multiple times. I don't know if I've seen it not on TV cable tv or whatever but definitely familiar with the entire movie before watching it again just hadn't seen it in a while it's, a, it's apparently one of the most watched films of all time or something i can believe that it's a fun movie you could put on for basically any any demographic of person mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's one of those it's not offensive it's not like uh it's just a lot of levels you can appreciate it on whether you're looking into it deep or just looking for something entertaining uh, mm-hmm. This director too, Victor Fleming. He's a he's one of the greatest directors maybe in Hollywood. He directed Gone with the Wind. He directed Joan nice. of Arc. Like he's made tons of classics, and you know it, it's it's on that level. I think I don't know if how much he directed of it, but it is of that quality. I think he like, did the main chunk, from my understanding. Yeah, I'd like to know what he didn't do because there's a lot of other names on it. <laughs> Yeah, it is very strange to see that many directors credited to yeah. something that isn't one of those like anthology type movies. Did Michael Jackson steal the leaning dance move from the Tin Man? He did it <laughs> That's first. That's what I was yes. thinking. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> Except the Tin Man probably really didn't do it. He was like, uh, it was probably a wire. I mean, Michael Jackson doesn't really do it either. There's like nails in the floor, basically. Really? Oh, I always thought he really did it. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't, I don't think he does. I, th- I think it's a stage performance sort of thing where, like, the bottoms of the shoes, you can like kind of hook your feet into like a, oh. like a little uh, nail that sticking out of the floor or something. You're able to like move your body forward and not fall over. Otherwise, it just defies physics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the nail comes back <laughs> down through the floor after you're done. I don't know. I've got a uh, I've got a Munchkin question for you guys. Something really? that really bothered me. Okay. Um, did you notice when uh, they show the kind of baby Munchkins, um, they were nesting. They were like in eggs. Oh, Is I don't like... remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
that really stood out to me because I was like, what, are you implying that munchkins are like laid? They lay <laughs> eggs? They hatch out of eggs? They're birds? This is really weird. <laughs> Look out for that if you ever see it. And I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, at least one that. of the persons saw it. So, so is that just their weird beds or like... Are they, oh, like, I don't know. They like hatch... They hatch from these eggs and like fully dressed. <laughs> they were like in pink outfits. <laughs> like, it's horrifying. Like, oh. It's very, very weird. Yeah. Did you notice the munchkin that uh, hung himself? Oh yeah, I was going to mention oh, yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. we want to talk about this. So, someone explain this, please. Uh, it's just a dead munchkin in the background. But there isn't. <laughs> Is it true? No. Yeah, it's a conspiracy, no. Right? no, it's like there's a bunch of fucking... You know, creepy pasta has existed for a long fucking time. Like early days of the internet and just, you know, even pre-internet, there have always been kind of like urban legend weird things that, especially before the internet, people wouldn't be able to like fact check or verify. And when we had, mm. you know, the Wizard of Oz and the only copies available at one point were just like VHS quality bullshit. You know, I'm pretty sure the scene they're talking about where you see it the the munchkin hanging themselves in the background or something i'm pretty sure that was just like a bird on set or something like one of those like <laughs> big birds that they got kind of like ostrich looking things or whatever yeah i don't i don't think a munchkin yeah. hung themselves on set <laughs> and that the, the people yeah, wouldn't it... notice and then <laughs> printed the film exactly how they get in the movie yeah. <laughs> oops yeah i think you that's a bunch know. of bullshit they didn't make those movies like with that intent back then. Like, oh, people are going to notice things in the background upon multiple viewings, and when they watch it at home, they can freeze frame it. And like that—that that was not the thought process back then, because mm -hmm. they knew people would just watch it like once and uh, in a theater, and that would be it. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a point I noticed the camera shadow, like on one of the trees. Oh, really? I'm like, oh, they probably just didn't give a shit because they're like, ah, it'll be in theaters for a year yeah. and then that's it. <laughs> I don't think they realized like how far in the future like these films would be viewed and like yeah that we'd be watching them on tablets and like over the internet on, on netflix your fucking phone on our fucking telephones on your apple watch <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can watch it on your apple watch <laughs> but yeah it's just crazy that's that's why so many uh animators would sneak in things yeah like what was it i think it was like the great mouse detective or something where the animator snuck in three frames of a topless woman in a window it was either that one or another Disney Mouse movie. Animators are notorious for that. Aren't they? Yeah, and then it's like, "Oops, we have the ability to pause now." <laughs> Oops, sorry, my bad. Did you find the guy who was crying tears of joy to be like a bit too intense in the moment towards the end of the movie? <laughs> a bit too intense. Which character saying? was that? He like, hears Dorothy. He hears Dorothy like saying her sad story, and then he uh -huh. like he's so moved by it that he lets them in and he's like he's crying so much like his whole face is like <laughs> soaked <laughs> because it's really such a jump in emotion like randomly it was very <laughs> i thought it was very fun. silly yeah it was funny <laughs> yeah, yeah it was surprisingly funny all around i thought like there's yeah. some pretty like witty cute stuff in there it's very entertaining like, I don't just appreciate the movie. I really enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed yeah. seeing all these crazy, like, musical numbers and these performances. And, yeah. And on that technical level, too, I really appreciated it. I appreciate it as part of film history and, you know, as a as a work of art. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's really well done. It deserves, like, all the acclaim it's gotten. Yeah, for sure. I love the part where the... Uh... 
The witch very slowly writes, Surrender, Dorothy, in all caps in the sky. <laughs> I found that to be kind of comical. It's weird because, like, by the end of the film, it doesn't even seem like the conflict between Dorothy and Miss Gulch has been resolved. Like, theoretically, the next day, she's just going to show back up and steal Toto again. Like, yeah. I don't know, yeah, the movie just kind of exactly. ends. Yeah, because the, the the story, there, there isn't much to it, you know, really, when you, like, try to analyze it. Um, it's very very simple in that storybook kind of way, child storybook kind of way, with, of course, it culminating with the the witch being defeated by um, the water accidentally being... Where did like, that water come her. from? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where do it came from. feel about the, the, the witch death scene? It, it, it feels a bit like it's like, okay, the movie's kind of over now. Yeah. Just, in in <laughs> my memory, die. I thought of it as a scene where, where they were like, oh, they figure out that you know, they need to, like, put water on her just in my memory, like, I, I thought this, and then they get water and then pour it on her, but no, it's just literally a random bucket of water sitting right next to them. <laughs> Do you think and... that's what inspired Shyamalan for signs? Yeah, probably. Oh, I don't definitely. Know. Yeah, I think that's what that's an homage to, except in signs <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> well, it, you, could, you could argue in signs that it's holy water because the uh, Mel Gibson blesses it and that, that what the say? aliens are actually demons. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. That's a oh. theory anyway, that there's more of like a religious aspect to it in terms of like the subtext more so than supernatural and that they're like demons rather than aliens. Huh. Yeah. Mm. Have to rewatch signs now then, I suppose. I guess yeah. so. Anyway. Yeah, Dorothy uh Dorothy ends the movie with the uh, brain damage and uh mm -hmm. <laughs> She's crazy. Nobody believes her. <laughs> she lived through a horrible tornado accident. Yeah, on her bed. It all worked out. She just out. wakes up in her bed. I'm, I'm like, what happened between the tornado and that? <laughs> like, did they find her in a field? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? I think the tornado probably the just like barely missed the house. Yeah? I think, I think, think she, she was just, just fine asleep? because the tornado just went like on a little bit of a different path, didn't destroy everything, sort of thing. And she, like, had an anxiety attack and passed out? Well, she got hit on the head by a broken window. That's what knocked her out. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Like, smashed yeah, into her head. It. it all worked out. I love the uh, Professor Marvel or whatever. <laughs> the guy that, that's, yeah. like, subtly tricking her into going back home at the beginning. That's something that I didn't really... Uh... too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I didn't really pick up on on that watching it as a kid, just like how he was just trolling her, basically, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Some good practical effects, especially for the time. Some interesting sets. I don't think the movie did well when it came out. Oh, yeah? It wasn't like a yeah, huge hit, that. but it's become yeah. a classic over time. Yeah. It must have made us a lot of money through, I guess, syndication. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at this point being played so TV, many times people loved it what do you guys think of uh, Glinda she's kind of manipulative <laughs> she's she's kind of an asshole yeah she's like oh I couldn't tell you how to get back home you wouldn't have believed me <laughs> I just wanted to manipulate you into killing these people before you left <laughs> she's just pulling the like strings then, <laughs> she's a jigsaw she's the mastermind of oh, the Wizard of Oz no Glinda who the, are we talking the, about right now the 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 woman who like shows up and she's like a nice looking fairy or whatever or whatever she's supposed to, she's like a witch or something. Yeah, she's Her like name's the good Glinda. Witch. 
Oh, the and one who comes like, out of the bubble thing. Yeah, yeah, and she basically manipulates Dorothy the entire movie and withholds oh, information right. yeah, from yeah, her yeah. in order to get her to like assassinate these other characters. <laughs> like, then by the end of it, she's like, "Yeah, you could have went home the entire time, but I didn't tell you. You wouldn't have believed me." Oh, okay. <laughs> it's an Oz world out there, man. <laughs> she's kind of an asshole. <laughs> she's so <laughs> smug too. That dumbass smile. She loves herself. <laughs> I said everything. I Should we rate to it say. and then? Yeah, let's rate it and then mention um, what we can remember of the the other Wizard of Oz related things. Oh, I haven't seen any of the other ones. Like, you guys go ahead. There's there's Return to Oz. I oh, haven't yeah, seen Return to Oz. I saw the James Franco one though. Uh, this one, I would give it a nine out of ten. I take a little bit off for um, what Adam said about it being a little like uh, repetitive or. Intense, exhausting. <laughs> That's a good word. Exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It gets a little yeah. exhausting toward the middle, but the third act, it kind of pulls around and becomes mm-hmm. good again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, loved it, though. Yeah. I give it a 8 out of 10. Okay. Well, yeah, and I'm a 5. I, I'm giving it 5 stars for now. Um, mm-hmm. If I ever go back to it as an adult, I might adjust it, because I did, I did feel it a little bit in the middle, where it's like, wait, okay, where's this going? Before they do the, like... Uh, rescue kind of sequence which got me back in yeah but aside from that everything we've already mentioned it's like a very earnest kind of honest movie which uh, surprisingly holds up very well um, considering how old it is now speaking of the rescue sequence i i kind of wonder how commonplace a lot of these ideas that we now consider to be like very common tropes were at that point in time you have the yeah everything was a dream sort of thing you have the sneaking in by stealing the guards clothes and pretending you're one of them sort of thing yep it's like i'm sure wizard of oz didn't invent it maybe they did i'm i would be very surprised to figure (laughs) to figure out that that wasn't like something that other stories had done before that point but i wonder if i wonder if like any audiences or anybody would have watched that and been like, that's kind of a trope. I don't really think that would have been a thought process no. as much back then. Because mm-hmm. the the archetype, like the story archetype the film kind of falls into is like a very familiar and trusted mm-hmm. one. So you can see the way it's echoed through the, the years. Because um, it is just like a solid foundation for how to tell a like fancy kind of story like this. Like the setup payoffs, uh, Every character has like a motivation and a change by the end. Like it's all yeah. solid stuff. The mm-hmm. world is fun. A lot of fun designs in it and ideas. Oh yeah, yeah. and I don't want to end the discussion without mentioning that I thought Judy Garland did a really great job in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she was very good. Really enjoyed her performance. Apparently she's had a very, very sad life. Yeah. Yeah, because I found out, isn't her daughter in um, Arrested Development? Oh, I don't know. That's like one of the main characters in it. It's very weird, like the way it's all linked like that. But yeah, it is a sad story from my understanding too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody interested, just look up on the wiki, I guess. Because uh, we're not going to go into too much detail about that. Yeah, you can read, you can honestly read like just forever about this movie. There's mm-hmm. so much. It's so prolific. There's also an interesting uh, article that you can find, another wiki article, talking about how this film is a very important movie in terms of like the gay rights movement and 
gay people back when everybody had to be closeted because you get the shit kicked out of you and murdered if <laughs> if you weren't yeah, sort illegal, of thing like places people would people would ask like are you a friend of dorothy sort of thing to you know kind of as a code to oh. ask if someone's gay sort of thing like the rainbow that you know was also like very inspired in terms of that becoming like the pride flag yeah. and symbolic of the movement but yeah just look look up uh, the article on wikipedia it's an interesting read that's awesome yeah so you guys saw the other oz movies or what <laughs> um none of us have seen return to oz which from what i understand is a bit infamous for how like kind of weird it is like, yeah it's like nightmare fuel apparently <laughs> yeah like it, so, it says dorothy saved fun. from a psychiatric experiment by a mysterious girl <laughs> is somehow called back to oz blah, sounds blah, like blah. a fucking horror movie yeah, it mm -hmm. does. <laughs> yeah, but the, and then Sam Raimi did, what was it Oz the Great and Powerful? Oz the Great and Powerful, starring the James Wizard Franco. Wizard cool. Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, Sam oh, Raimi. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned it at the end of the last episode. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting. Didn't see any yeah, of them. I don't remember liking that movie though, the the Sam Raimi one. Yeah, I uh, saw it when it came out, and I noticed there weren't enough little people in it. <laughs> Not nearly as many as no the Munchkins, one. zero out of ten. No Munchkin, yeah. I think there were Munchkins, but they were just like normal guys, or you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I I remember that distracting me. Though. I want uh, the my movie itself people. was fine. But... Uh, the real problem with how that film looked, it started mm -hmm. that because it was Disney, wasn't it? It was like the start of that Disney look, you know, because I, I guess it was Alice in Wonderland kind of. Yeah, yeah, Alice in Wonderland. I think started it, and that looked really bad. Oz and Oz is like a little bit better because mm. <laughs> i think I, I just, the technology got a little badly. bit better yeah but you're right it was distracting i remember the movie started with like the sepia tone too i don't remember yeah, how long similar, it went on it? for you, or yeah. yeah it's not a very memorable or like recommendable movie to be honest no i watched it once and i was like whatever <laughs> it's a wizard of oz prequel <laughs> <laughs> i'll look at the trailer see how much it's aged yeah, mm -hmm. it starts out black and white, like four by three. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And then it becomes, you know, a bunch of Tim Burton crap <laughs> with the CGI. They, they definitely have a certain look, those Disney-like movies that have gone back mm -hmm. to an old property type thing. They're like mm -hmm. all alike from the same machine type deal. The same algorithm. Yeah. wonder if they could do it again, like make a, another Oz movie now. You, Michelle Williams is in it too. Jeez. Do you think they're going to do like a Wizard of Oz remake at some point, or is it too sacred? The Wizard a of remake, Oz no. expanded universe where we Based get a Tin Man Bible. solo story, and <laughs> you just call it Iron Man. <laughs> Based on the Book of Oz. The Wizard of Oz revolutions. Wizard of Oz <laughs> Redux. Mm. Just shot for shot remake it. Reloaded. The Wizard of Oz cubed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, are we done on Oz? Are we done yep. with the wizard and all <laughs> yeah. that shit? There's the Oz show on HBO. Oh. That's about a prison. That's supposed to be good, isn't it? Yeah. I gotta Does that have anything cool to do idea, with the Wizard of Oz? No. Okay, well do then. Not. Is there no relation the at all? Oh, I don't right. think so. I assumed it was like named <laughs> It's like a really some... hardcore prison show. I don't recommend that for families. <laughs> <laughs> it's fans a fucking of the HBO wizard. show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't watch that. <laughs> Okay, then, let's move on to some questions from the community. If you want to leave your own questions for next episode or future episodes, head over to the Sardonicast Reddit, where there's a suggestion thread where you can ask us whatever you like. Let's start off with this one from M. 
Goldie12, who says, Hey guys, I noticed that Ralph has finally seen a bunch of Ghibli movies, so I wanted to ask all three of you what your favourites are and why. Mm. Did you go through the majority of them? I only went through a couple. I saw Spirited Away, Princess Mm -hmm. Mononoke, and I think I saw one other one, but I forgot the name of it. Those are my two favourite ones. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's what everyone said they got those. Um, what do you think, Princess Ralph? Mononoke, I think, is my favorite one. Okay, cool. They're great. Uh, the animation's fucking beautiful in them, mm-hmm. which I see why they're so famous. Yeah, they're really entertaining just to look at. Uh, and I appreciate both of them on different levels. I like how different they are. How one's like a like an action-adventure story, and the other one's like a like very like a drama or a comedy. Like very, um... It was just about that little girl. I don't remember much about it, but it was just about like this little girl going to a, like a fantasy land. It yeah, it's almost like, like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was just good on that level. Mm-hmm. Very creative design, uh-huh. of, like characters and animation and everything. Really love how everything looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we all have the same answer for our favorite too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, I'm, I could be wrong on this, but uh, I remember like hearing or reading or watching a video on how Miyazaki's kind of process is that he just kind of starts drawing storyboards and it just the story just takes, it just goes wherever it just comes from like naturally. Um, That's which cool. Is, like, such an interesting idea to me. That must be how he does like a loose framework or something because I'm just thinking about like how you'd make it cohesive. But like this, it's a really cool idea and very like arty kind of animation mind type thing to do yeah like he draws out little bits of the story and then fills it all in <laughs> like fills all those frames in yeah it's, it's kind of cool okay. yeah I, re- I need to rewatch spirited away actually yeah i gotta watch that one too i got because mm-hmm. yeah i think spirited it's, been, away a, is my it's favorite. been a year or so yeah i need to watch both of those again for sure it'd be nice to get like a 4k blu-ray oh they're not out in 4k i don't i don't but, know i don't think so i think I would it's, only it's animated too i don't think it matters that much right I got Disney on Blu-ray. They they had made they made Ponyo. That's the other one I saw. Did Ponyo. They, yeah, they not, like, which I thought back was okay. and bought the rights to them all yet or something. I'm I not know. sure. I should look that up. I know they've worked with him now, which makes sense because I mean his movies are gorgeous. Why mm. wouldn't they want to work with him? Yeah, exactly. Gremlins Two asks us this one: What recent movies, let's say 2019 to the present, do you think deserve the YMS Ralph the Movie Maker or Search the Worst series treatment? other than any you guys are currently working on. Damn it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't cheat. So from last year? Really doing. Yeah, something oh. in your recent memory where you've been like, I really could make a video on this. But the like, Fanatic is the one where like, I feel like it's so obvious. And part <laughs> of me is like, like don't do it because it's kind of hack material. Because I feel like everyone's ripped it to shreds already. Like everyone knows it's <laughs> terrible. And like, I've already made fun of John Travolta, but the movie is just so fucking awful that i have considered it often like why don't i just talk about it because there's so much to say it is really funny would you recommend actually watching it because i I keep seeing it i think on netflix and and, uh, it's on amazon prime i think for free watch it with my commentary bro (laughs) i gotta watch it with that but yeah just watching it on its own is hilarious it makes no sense terrible acting like, you could tell they just filled in, like, shots. Like, Travolta wasn't on set that day. And, like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> he drives down the same street, like, ten times. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. If it's if it's something that, you know, I haven't even made so much of a... As, as like, a quickie on, uh, there isn't really that much. 
that I haven't covered in some form that I've watched from like 2019, 2020. There's one straight to Netflix documentary that I didn't cover on my channel called Enter the Anime. (laughs) 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 And I rated it a one out of 10. Read through, go to to the IMDb for that and just read through some of the reviews. It's hilarious. It's sitting at a 2.6. It's so garbage. It's so bad. (laughs) It's like literally just one person who was hired by Netflix to make a documentary on anime or something. And the entire movie is basically just like, hey, look at me, I'm on vacation in Japan. And then says like really, really basic things about anime that don't even really cover the history or its cultural significance in any way. Just like, yeah, Japanese people really like anime, don't they? And then, it, and, and then the entire thing just acts as this vehicle to be promotional for the Netflix anime series that exists. And so most of the the documentary just covers that stuff and not in any kind of like intelligent or thought provoking way. It's so boring. It's terribly edited. It's like (laughs) it it really just feels like a child made this and it's so bad. So Mm. that would be my pick. Yeah, mine would be uh, Men in Black International. Films are (laughs) horrible. But it's just one of those ones where it's so boring that I don't ever want to see it again. You know, I don't want to sit down and let you just... Have it be my life for ages. I just can't. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get the dynamic of that movie. Like the casting. There is none. The, <laughs> the casting is just because it's well, well, like Tommy Thor Lee Ragnarok. Jones and Will Smith was like, Will Smith is the young guy who's like learning the ropes and he's cool and he brings something new. But Tommy Lee Jones is like the old guy who, who teaches yeah, him the ropes it's funny. and he's like grumpy. And, and like, oh, it's so clear what that is. Like just from the poster. And this is like Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. It's like, okay, it's just what, two random guys? Or like, <laughs> like what's just, going on it's here? It's just Marvel actors. Yeah, it's, it's like the two Thor characters just again <laughs> in yeah. Men in Black now. That's such a thing that keeps happening. Like these weird movies that get assembled because someone like was near where they were shooting like the Avengers and like the cast had a few spare days so, like just random members of like the yeah. Marvel family are just in these like awful it's comedies like makeshift. Oh yeah, we got Stuber. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth we got a Men in Black movie we want to make we can just do it in a weekend uh-huh. something like that <laughs> Did <laughs> you see Hellboy? Oh yeah yeah. That, yeah, made yeah, a yeah. On that. That's honestly worth reviewing Yeah uh, true. I think I know a few people who worked on it which keeps me away from it because <laughs> oh, I, right. I don't want to hurt their feelings because <laughs> like when you make now when i make a review it's like hundreds of thousands of people watch it i'm like i don't i don't know i don't it's like bullying almost to like rip a movie to shreds carefully, yeah. for like 25 minutes or so but no just talking about it like generally it's a bad movie yeah it's really bad mm-hmm. no argument yeah. there really wrong mm-hmm Really it's bad like everyone's just in agreement too. Like no one is fighting for that movie. <laughs> no, so everyone just might have killed Hellboy. Killed the yeah, franchise. it's a little extra offensive when Guillermo wanted to make the third movie in the trilogy and they didn't let him, <laughs> and then they just rebooted yeah. it. It's like, damn it! They made a cheap like Deadpool knockoff, almost. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, no charisma. That superhero Deadpool shit. I think David Arbor didn't like the movie. Did he come out <laughs> saying he didn't like it or something? <laughs> I have no idea. I got the sense just by watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies that doesn't even feel like it was directed by like one person. It does feel like just <laughs> you know crew just took care of it. You know, like it was just made. 
by someone. Yeah. It exists. And it's got like the Stranger Things guy in it and like a CG pig monster. It's just a weird film, man. Neil Marshall could, directed that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I could tell it was from yeah. Neil Marshall watching it. There are, there are some Neil Mar- Marshallisms in the movie. Like it had some like fun yeah, gore at points. You know, it wasn't like I, I, I couldn't say that like every moment of it was pure joylessness. The majority I of it know. was. But... <laughs> I, th- yeah, I, I, I think it's really consistent, though. Like the gore and the effects are really consistent. Like I think there was this pig orc looking guy in yeah. it that was kind of cool looking at times. But then there was some, like, when he fought the giants in the field, that looked awful. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, the end where there's all these, like, CGI monsters who pop out of the ground for no reason, and then they just go away. Like, they don't fight Hellboy or anything. They just, like, they just, massacre they just a bunch people. of innocent people, and then they go yeah. away. It's like, what was the point of that? Because I, it was R-rated, right? Just, yeah. That's <laughs> it. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they just it was like, just horrible. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's like, oh, we got permission for to do this, like, R-rated. Oh, cool. This ain't your dad's hell, boy. <laughs> yeah, so they just, like, get some animators together and put together this, like, gruesome scene. And they just <laughs> add it in randomly. There you go. There's your R-rating. Yeah. All right, next question. Nick Cage for life asks... Nice. Do you have any phobias? Huh. Uh, I feel like phobia is quite serious, you know? Like, you, you can be scared of something without it being a phobia. I feel like phobia is like real deal type stuff. Yeah, hmm. I'm scared of bees. Bees? You scared of bees? <laughs> yeah. You're allergic? No, I tell people I am. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you're frightened of bees. Well, how do you feel about wasps? Oh, the same thing. Like anything that wasps looks like a bee much or a worse. wasp. Yeah, but any of them, I'm like. About hey. hornet, like a massive hornet. Yeah. Oh shit. Are you scared of of Ben Shapiro? <laughs> <laughs> Why would it be? Is there like a some bee. bee joke with him? Really? He sounds like that. one. I'm scared of Is that B-movie. why you don't like B-movie then? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's not like a phobia. I'm not like, oh, but I don't want to be stung by a bee. Mm. Fuck that. Get that fucking thing away lot. from me. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's pointless. And then you have his stinger stuck in you. You gotta pull it out. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I got stung twice in my life. I got stung in like a water slide once. Like a, oh, one sucks. of those like closed in... Water slides. I'm like, how the <laughs> fuck did a bee get in there? Yeah. It's like the place you'd least expect, expect to get stung. You were stuck with the bee. <laughs> yeah. I just mm. went down there and it fucking stung me. And I came out of the slide. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you don't like Beyonce? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I love Beyonce. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, like, uh, I don't like heights a lot of the time. Uh, I don't know if it. I would consider it to be a phobia. It really depends on the the context. Like I don't know. We were in that chairlift or whatever in Sundance. I was fine. Yeah. Sometimes if it's like, I don't know. I'm a I'm a very tall person, and sometimes there are like balconies where the railing, you know, my hips are like basically at the level. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so it's like if I just lean forward, I'd fucking die. Um, sometimes it's more of just like call of the void sort of thing going on in my head where, you know, I think like, what if I jumped sort of thing? And that just kind of freaks Mm -hmm. me out. Um, really depends on the context or where I am or what my mood is. But generally I would say I don't, I don't like heights much, but. Do do you manage in like, uh, theme parks then? Like ever been on one of those rides that just goes vertically up? Like. Yeah. Thousands of meters. I enjoy those. Like I'm, if I'm like strapped into something, 
and I can like trust it, like it's fine. Right. But yeah, if I'm, you know, on a really high floor of a, an apartment or something on a balcony, I, yeah, I, I, mm. like it's not like so debilitating that I like freak out and cower in fear. It's just like makes me uncomfortable and puts a lot of images in my brain that I don't like thinking about. Yeah, that's a very understandable one. I, I get that now and again. I never mm. used to, though. Like, I never used to care about heights when I was younger, but the older I get, I'm just more cautious, I suppose. I'm not quite frightened of bees, though. Too much respect for bees. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> of Jerry Seinfeld, obviously. <laughs> we got a stupid one here from CC Buddy Rider. One of these stupid would you rathers. We haven't done one, I don't think, before, so I'll allow this okay. one. Okay. Okay. Would you rather piss your pants once a week at random or shit your pants once a month at random? Interesting. Hmm. Because I say, I, I say shit, personally. I'd say shit, too. Because <laughs> you could just wear a diaper once a month. Yeah, but <laughs> it's at Actually, random. You wouldn't be able to prepare for it. Yeah, you gotta wear it the whole month. It says at random, But even though. so, that's that's still better than, like... You can still Because I'd, I'd have to wear prepared. diapers anyway for the pee. <laughs> but that's four times I thought you are saying you have to wear diapers anyway, full stop. <laughs> I need more context to this yeah. question. Is it a full pee, or is it a little bit of pee? Is it a full poop, um, or is I'll it like a shirt? I'll arbiter of this information. Um, yeah, full, full pee. Bladder full all the way. <laughs> full pee. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like the real stuff. Once a week would get annoying. Yeah, that's that's my logic. Like once a month is only once every four weeks, as opposed to four every four weeks. Yeah. And you're yeah. wearing the diaper anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Probably um, just get used to it. Enjoy once. being, you know, a diaper guy. <laughs> It'd be fun. <laughs> they both sound bad. <laughs> Neither of them are pleasant. Do you know what we call um, diapers in the UK? Uh oh. What? <laughs> Do you not know? No. Uh, so we call them uh, nappies. Nappy, oh. oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, I've never heard that. Nappies. Nappies. <laughs> That's Get another baby one. a nappy, will ya? <laughs> That's kind of funny. We're weird people. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, go on. Piss or shit, Adam. Piss or shit. <laughs> I I don't. I always have so much difficulty with these questions, and people get mad. Yeah, that I, I, don't, I like, can't stand them. You just got to decide. Yeah, don't think it out too much. Do I want to be pissy pants every week or shitty underwear once a month? I oh my god, this is too difficult for me. <laughs> no, you have to choose. That's the that's the game. You have to pick. I I guess I guess poop my pants. <laughs> yeah. Now there's like all this weird audio people can take and mess with. Yeah, fan art. Oh no! Diaper poop in my pants. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's do this one then. From Locho underscore xx, what movies get away with being corny? I don't know. Getting away with being corny. Yeah, some, some movies are corny, corny, and you have to accept it. Yeah, like, like Spider-Man. Oh yeah, Spider-Man, Raimi, Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, that's a good one too. Anything like serially, like Indiana Jones, is corny, but that's like what is good about it, you know. Some mm. older films. Corny acting, maybe. Uh, well, Wizard of Oz has some. I wouldn't call it dated, but there's corny, stuff of yeah. that time that's like very of that time, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like kind of corny. Yeah, just those ones, I guess. Like <laughs> that's it. Yeah, those are the only movies that are allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I I think things are corny a lot, but I just forget like what they were. Even plenty of movies get away with being corny. Just depends on. 
what your threshold is, I guess. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm 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 enjoying corniness a lot more as I get older for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like the right type of corny. Yeah, it really depends how serious the movie is trying to be. Yeah, of course. We got a fairly chunky one from uh, the meme walker, so bear with me as I read this. A lot of context for this, I reckon, is needed. I usually go to see movies with my father, who very dearly loves cinema, as do I. We often get into the same sort of argument when we watch certain movies. The argument usually begins because I think the movie's brilliant and deserving of a high score because of its technical aspects, acting, etc., while my father is of the opinion that that's all fine and all, but that the substance of a movie always comes from the message it conveys, whether the director intended it or not. So the main question that I'd like to ask your opinion on is this. How big of a role does the meaning of a movie play when it comes to judging it? And if it isn't just trying to say something, doesn't that mean it's vapid or not as interesting? So basically, the meaning, is that the most important thing to you? I would not say it's the most important thing. I can appreciate and love movies that have, I guess, goals for their meanings that I would either disagree with or not even consider to be all that profound, I guess. Yeah. Really depends on the movie. Um, I certainly wouldn't love a movie where the meaning is all it has going for it and every technical element of filmmaking, like the actual art and craft of it, is just garbage. I wouldn't love a movie just because of its message and nothing else. Yeah, that's why I can't come up with excuses for movies like Southland Tales, where it's like... yeah. Sure, some of these ideas might be like really interesting and fleshed out in some forms, but the way it comes together in this movie is just it's not acceptable, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the package. Every movie has a meaning, even if it's not trying to have a meaning at all. You, you mm-hmm. assign your own meaning to it. Mm-hmm. So the only thing we can judge on objectively is how well the movie conveys its meaning. <laughs> so I, I think it's, yeah, it's important. But it needs to be a good film, too. Southland Tales is a good example. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also finding, based on the genre, my expectations differ wildly. Like, especially for these, like, big budget, kind of huge Hollywood CG-heavy films. Like, I'm finding I'm looking for more out of the story and, like, writing than I am a lot of the kind of scope because we've kind of seen it all at this point, you know, like we've seen <laughs> giant sharks and shit like that. Like, um, it, it just gets more sophisticated the more you're kind of shown something and you kind of look for more based on your experience and how much you've watched. Because, like, maybe a little kid watching, like, The Meg would be, like, blown away because they've never seen anything like that. But... The Mig. <laughs> the Mig. <laughs> That's that's how Jason Statham said it. <laughs> uh, Cockney geese, yeah. And there was another character in the movie called Mick. <laughs> and so it was really confusing. Mick, we gotta go get the Mick. It's one of the Sardonicast's favorite movies, that one, the Meg, gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, depends on the movie. I just, I... I don't know. I... I I don't really consider the meaning to be a make it or break it in my evaluation of a film. It can make a film stand out if it's saying something really different. It can make it connect with you more. Because there are a lot of movies that just that that either have no point or the point has been done a million times. A coming age movie or whatever. Things we've done you know, we've done a million times that are not that impressive. Yeah. Got a movie like Climax, 
I don't know what the meaning of that was, but you know, <laughs> definitely <laughs> unique. <laughs> yeah, but but that's that's what separates films really is like you can have a coming of age movie done in a really bland presentation and then another film having an identical meaning if if that's what you want to call it like another coming of age movie that's presented in a very unique way and i would say that the presentation would be what separates the two films in terms of quality for me yeah but then there's a movie like uh, buffalo 66 where i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that's not that's not well made it is well made but it's very uh cheap and like (laughs) indie and that still has it has meaning and it Mm -hmm. stands out because of its meaning that it isn't it isn't saying the same thing that a thousand other movies have said yeah and that's what makes that one stand out yeah a director or writer that clearly has something to say is is a positive for sure yeah regardless of whether or not the message of the film is something that I would, I guess, agree with. Mm-hmm. All right, do you want to do one more? Okay, let's do this last one then that's on similar tracks, and I, I kind of brought it up in our Wizard of Oz discussion, but something I've been pondering lately that I'd like to talk about from Ink Drop 53 who says, When a film attempts to be artsy or ambiguous, how much does one's own interpretation of the filmmaker's intentions contribute to their opinion? Is it a valid view of what they were trying to come across? Uh, when are we simply projecting ourselves and our beliefs onto films that had no intention of saying anything related to said beliefs? Doesn't matter. <laughs> so you think it doesn't like it, either well, way? Like, it doesn't matter. Is it saying like the direct the director's meaning of the movie or whatever is different from the audience interpretation? Oh, what's the best way to describe it? Obviously, everyone takes a and expects different things and analyzes different things based on their experiences. I guess, like, mm. mm-hmm. of course, me, like, Brit in England, like, I'm going to think differently of a movie than someone in, like, Wakali would, would you know? Mm-hmm. Like, your background, I think, is, like, essential, really, to a lot of what you take away from it. And also your understanding of... You, you can kind of make assumptions based on how you you feel i guess um a director is like a typically approaches something they do or you know like it like with david lynch you you kind of have to understand like the person i'm thinking of like a razor head which is like there's, there's a lot of like it, it doesn't have a typical kind of standard narrative type deal so there's a lot of like theories and trying to picture together what you what you think it all means mm-hmm. but and you can kind of find meaning from understanding where the director comes from and david lynch is like a a, a wacky guy you know you listen to him talk and you understand his like art process and whatnot and it kind of Mm -hmm. all stems from there for me yeah because like it it is a lot of guessing games a lot of the time like you you can never truly know like a director's intent can you because like a, a lot of the process like um when we had the director of shazam on he does that really good video Mm-hmm. about how lots of filmmaking is just about problem solving and a lot of the things that people interpret from movies weren't even intended a lot of the time so yeah exactly like the director should hone in on a theme and a story yeah but a lot of mm. it is going to be interpreted just by the person watching it like a film is not it's not made to be watched and then you read online what the meaning was or read like the director's interview it's cool to yeah. get that perspective but a film is like you sit there and you just experience it and take your life and what you experience to put that on top of it and get meaning out of it. 
it's it's impossible to know exactly what a director's intending mm-hmm. and it's yeah. pointless to try to find that out because that's not the point of a movie <laughs> the point of the movie is what you got out of it and well what you I, I do like understanding what the director's intent was also yeah i do too of course especially with some of these movies that are so like a david lynch movie it's like what the fuck was that you need some (laughs) some kind of explanation but not always Mm -hmm. sometimes a movie is more about what it is to you than what the director was necessarily intending sometimes art can transform into something that was not initially the goal Mm -hmm. that's why they made it a film and not just the director telling you his opinion on the, the subject matter yeah <laughs> because that's not interesting it's yeah. he makes it a film instead so you can interpret it in a way so yeah a fair few directors decline to explain their movies don't they for that exact reasoning like they just want people to take away yeah. from it what they they do yeah yeah exactly charlie kaufman explaining his movie would be a disservice to the movie yeah that's why there's no commentary track for synecdoche new york <laughs> yeah and lynch too he doesn't explain his stuff yeah because in, in a way, I feel like, I, I think that what they're thinking in a way would be that it would almost invalidate someone's interpretation and experience if it didn't line up perfectly with what the director's intent was when that's not necessarily the goal of what right. they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It makes a movie a lot less interesting. Like when Mother came out and the movie was bombing, so they forced Darren Aronofsky to come out with Jennifer Lawrence and explain the movie, like what it was about. Oh, yeah. And it's that takes away... I, I think that takes away that. something. Yeah. It takes away something from like your interpretation of it, because now it's like, oh, it's just a Bible allegory, because that's what the director said. Yeah. And like when I watched the first time, I'm not reading the Bible all the time. I'm not a Catholic. Or, like I'm not like I'm not like a hardcore religious person. So I was just watching mm-hmm. it. I was getting more the the marriage allegory, like divorce and a couple straining apart, and like there's this God imagery in there, but there's other things to read into. Mm-hmm. And to hear like a director just boil it down to, oh, it's Bible. She's Mother Nature. He's God. It's it sucks. <laughs> it makes the movie worse. I think. I like uh not hearing the director explain everything. Depending on the movie, depending on the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I suppose I'm. I'm more interested in in the person and the way they think more than I am in them trying to like explain beat by beat. You know what what a movie means. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. not interested yeah. in. David Lynch explaining a race head to me, but I would be willing to listen to him talk about like his creative process. And you can kind of, you know, yeah, figure how out they made the movie, style. all that stuff is super yeah. fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just really bugs some people, I guess. Like not yeah. knowing when things are up in the air, so like, we have to have answers. We need, we need to know. I think mm-hmm. it drives people a bit crazy sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's not about that. Well, saying like it's whatever you interpret can be a cop out answer too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and there's like bad directors who would do that with their work, South yeah. Tales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- there's some cases where that is perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like it when people on the internet come up with like really weird theories for movies, even if it's not true or what most people would interpret. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. I like hearing a different perspective on a movie with some facts backing it up because. It, it's like when you watch the movie again, it's like watching a movie for the first time. You notice all these yeah. new things that someone else might have pointed out to you, someone with a different perspective. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the online mentality where like there's one meaning of a movie and if you don't interpret it that way, you misinterpreted the movie and your interpretation's wrong, <laughs> which I think a lot of people have. Yeah, I think it comes from that gray space of not having answers and people like exactly. really feeling like they need them to feel satisfied with the mm-hmm. 
it depends experience they got out of it because i i don't know yeah yeah I, i would you know we've we've talked about under the silver lake and people calling it sexist when i think that that kind of misses the point of what the movie's communicating mm-hmm. so yeah I, yeah it depends on like the the complaint if it is something like that and you're not really given a very strong case then it's easy to kind of dismiss mm-hmm. like i think that's what the question's kind of talking about isn't it with the like projecting your you know your own shit onto a movie like isn't always necessarily there Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of things that people sometimes read into more than the directors did also so mm-hmm. and you end up learning a lot about the person analyzing the movie than you do the movie yeah which is why film is so interesting long. that's yeah. I, I think projecting sometimes is a good thing <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's like you learn about the person yeah as long as they're not saying like uh well, birth of the nation that was a great movie or whatever then <laughs> i think it's cool <laughs> <laughs> That aligns with my beliefs. What Birth of a Nation does. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it still, but but I I, I know oh, I kind of yeah, get yeah. an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good one. Yep. <laughs> All right, I guess that does it for questions. Yeah, I believe so. Cool. Some good ones in there. Some silly ones too. All right, so I guess uh, I guess it's time to recommend a movie. There's, uh, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think either of you have seen this. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Shane Carruth's Upstream Color. No, I've really wanted to, so that's no? great. Yeah, I think that's in my watch list. Okay, great. Have either of you seen Primer also, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Primer I love. No, it's so. another one um, Okay. I to catch up on. Okay, interesting. On my list. All right. So, yeah, same director, uh, very low budget. Uh, word of warning, it does not hold your hand. And so if... It's like primer? Like I mean... Like really hard to understand what's going on? It's, <laughs> yeah. In, I mean, in, in ways, yes, and in ways, no. Like different goals. Okay. So if you wanted to watch it twice, I wouldn't put it past you. You know, I've seen it a few times. So if, if you wanted to, to hear my interpretation in the podcast, I can always do that too. Um, and yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be watching this movie and, uh, next episode we'll be joined by a guest, Amanda the Jedi, YouTuber, Twitch streamer, cool person. And she'll be joining us and talking about upstream color and maybe some other things. All right. Uh, well, thank you all for listening or watching or both. Uh, if you want to support the show, sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. You'll get these episodes early. $2 a month. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch. Links in the description. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful apocalypse. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, don't get sick. Yep. Good luck. Be careful Drink out there. Corona. <laughs> Drink lots of Corona. <laughs> <laughs> no place like home. <laughs> There's no podcast like Sardonicast, guys. <laughs> Technically. No podcast like Sardonicast. Anyway, thank you. Bye-bye. See you, everybody. Bye.